would fill its coffers. I have a higher good, content with it all be. My Jesus is my well, what is the world to The text for the sermon this day is taken from Luke chapter 16, which was read earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Right before this parable is the famous parable of the prodigal son, and the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. I bring that up not because... It really tells us much about this parable, but simply the contrast of the parables. The parable of the prodigal son is actually really one of the more simple parables to understand and interpret. It's so simple that it's commonly used in Sunday schools and VBS. This parable is the opposite. It is not so simple. It is not so easy, and it's one that causes many pastors to have many migraines trying to figure out what to preach. It's one that many pastors, they eventually say, enough with this, I'm preaching on the epistle lesson. And by the way, just a note on that epistle lesson, have you ever heard people say, God will never give you more than you can handle? That is based, people come up with that based on that verse, the very end of that epistle lesson. But if you notice, it doesn't say, It doesn't say he will not let you be suffer more than you can handle or whatever. He says he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. There's no promise that God will not give you more than you can handle. And if you want, don't believe me, go to a cemetery and you'll know that God gives us more than we can handle. But anyways, this text. It's kind of challenging for one, the very last few verses, which I'm not going into, because I honestly, after studying it many, many, many hours, I still don't know what to make of it. But even the parable itself is challenging. And I'm in comfort. Luther even struggled with this parable. He says, it says, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. Now, note, this steward, this manager, he doesn't say, that is a bunch of baloney, I never did it, they're just making this up. This man does not deny it. He's guilty and he knows it. 
But what is amazing, is surprising, is what the rich man, his master, does. All his master does is basically he fires him. But in reality, the master had every right to have him beaten and thrown in prison for what he has done. Because if you waste away another person's possessions, you are, that is a reason to be arrested. But the master does not do that. He just says, bring me your books, and basically is saying, let's go just part ways. So the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, that's a detail that's, that the ESV, I like to translate that as one by one. Because some of the other translations would say, summoning his master's debtor, each of his master's debtors, he said, the reason why that's significant, that says one by one, it's got a little detail, because it's letting you know that he's not bringing them all in the room at one time. He's just bringing one by one, because if he brought them all in, they'd all figure out what he's up to. If by one by one, he could be a little sneakier. And so one by one, he's bringing them in and telling them, he says to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. What this manager did, did not, he did not cut a small amount of their bill. It was a lot. To give you perspective, imagine you got called in by the manager of your bank, and they called you in, or your and they said, you know that loan that you have on that tractor or your house or your car, whatever, think of whatever it might be. What we're going to do is we're going to just strike off a year's, year and a half worth of that payment. How would you react? A year and a half as if it never doesn't exist. I think you'd be excited because that's, I mean, even if it was, you know, just a car payment, you know, $300 car payment, if you didn't have to pay $300 for 18 months, that would be very nice. That is what this manager is doing. He is cutting out a huge amount of debt. And so when the master finds out about it, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And this is what is so, this is why this text is tough. Because God, Jesus is commending basically a thief, a criminal. What he did, he realistically should go to jail even more than he should have gone before. Because if your bank manager did that without the permission of, their, of the owner of the bank, because they're going to have to go to the very top in order to do that type of a loan. They'd, go to, they'd probably be fired and go to jail for it. 
But he, the, manager, the master doesn't do that. The master, and the master could have gone out and said, you know what, that was, this guy was fired. He could not do what he did, but he did it. Instead, he rehired him, and he upheld what he did. And see, the reason why this manager did what he did, even though in his mind he didn't think he was getting his job back, he just thought he was going to get, he was going to get a put some shelter while he's, you know, without a job. But he did what he did because he learned at the outset that his master is merciful. His master could have thrown him in jail at the beginning, and he didn't. So he knew the master was merciful. So he did all these acts of kindness, kind of selfishly, but he did all these wonderful, generous deeds, knowing that this master was merciful and knowing that the master would uphold it because he knew of the master's mercy. It's because of his faith that he did what he did. This last week, as you all know, for five, from Thursday to Thursday, we were all in New Orleans, Louisiana for the National Youth Gathering. 22,000 Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod high schoolers from all over the world there's, I think there's six, 16 different countries or something like that that were represented, not including the United States. And we all gathered, we overtook New Orleans. Everywhere you went, you saw the, the gray backpacks. And during the week, there's a lot of incredible things that were done in the city of New Orleans. I don't know if you know this, but in the last... The, of the last six youth gatherings, three of them have been in New Orleans. The reason is because New Orleans begs to have the youth gathering back. Because the youth gathering almost always leaves New Orleans better than they found it. And the mayor knows that. And that's why the mayor of New Orleans begs for the youth gathering. Here's what happened during that week. Over 900 backpacks were filled with school supplies for those in need. One Habitat for Humanity frame was built, and as I understand, a few youth groups stayed behind, and they built a couple houses in New Orleans for people in need. 1,000 fleece hats were made. 52 participants donated hair for, for, you know, for wigs, for cancer patients. 500,906 meals were packaged for feeding children everywhere. Think about that. 500,906. That is enough meals to feed all of Sioux Falls for about a day and a half. That's a lot of food. 33,000 hours were spent volunteering in the city. To give you perspective on that, if you, if only by yourself, you volunteer for 40 hours a week, 52, for 52 weeks a year, 
it would take you almost 16 years to equal that work. The, the youth of, that we have of May City, two of whom are here, well, no, one of whom, sorry. <laughs> uh, we work to do some landscaping, clearing up a lot of shrubbery, a lot of grass, uh, making an area look a little bit more, a little bit better, so that the people who live in it can be proud of where they live. The youth at Zion, they painted a middle school. There's lots and lots of things, and that is not including the things that are not on that list. There are so many stories that I heard of people showing acts of kindness to the many, many people in New Orleans. I mean, think about the city of New Orleans. Think about what you know of it, the stereotypes. It is literally, it is one of the most violent cities in the United States of America. It ranks in the top three for murder rate. There's a lot of poverty. We got to, Peyton, I'm sure you got to learn what it's like to smell vomit wherever, whenever you walked around a city. And urine. We saw, I remember on the night, one morning we went to IHOP, and we saw a man who was sleeping right next to the CVS pharmacy. He had a pillow, his boots set out, because that was the only place you could find to sleep. And by the way, New Orleans was not dangerous during that week. The only attack we had, I know, was from fire ants. They got, they got some of us pretty good. But there's no other violence, no people violence. Oh, and by the way, one other thing I didn't add in there. You heard about the shooting of the police officers in Baton Rouge? One of those police officers are alive still, because of that youth gathering. He needed 200 pints of blood to keep alive. The youth gathering provided 791 pints. There's a story of one of my classmates from seminary. Him and his uh, youth group, come on, internet is really bad right here. Well, I'm gonna try, I might have to paraphrase this. Um, his, him and his youth group, they went to this restaurant. And the waiter said to him, he's like, hey, are you one of the Lutheran youth? He, said, he just said, you know, I don't know what it is about you guys, but whenever you guys come, there's something different about this city. There's such a positive feel of this city that there isn't anywhere, any other time. And as I've been watching this, I have been thinking that I want to be a Christian. And I want to know how to become one. And they talked to him about Jesus. He became a Christian. They prayed with him. I use this. And by the way, that's one of so many stories. The reason I use this is because the people are high schoolers. They went down there motivated, moved by their faith to worship their God, to hear about their faith, to learn about their faith, to celebrate with 22,000. It's kind of awesome to go out and say, oh, I'm not the only LCMS Lutheran in the world, especially in an area that's so heavily reformed, nothing against reform, but you kind of start to feel like 
are we the only guys out here? You go out there like, wow, there's a lot of us. And you get to take communion? I mean, have you, do you know what it's, um, I actually got to help with communion. And I got to, I got to serve a communion group of about 700 people. I've never communed that many people. And I, in order for us to have 700 people, we have to get literally all of, almost all of Osceola, I mean, almost all of the Ochidan zip code to do that. So it was pretty awesome. But they went down for that reason. But while they were there, the love that they were hearing of their God moved so many to show mercy and kindness to the people of New Orleans. And that is what that steward did. This is why he's being commended. He received the grace and mercy of his master. And by that grace and mercy, he had faith to know that he would show more mercy. And so he showed an act of kindness to other people. And by his act of kindness, they had faith and celebrated their master. That is what we, all of us are called to do. See, I went to a youth gathering as a youth. I went as a young adult volunteer. And it is one of those things that does, literally, it is one of those events that you never forget your entire life. But the thing is, is it's such a high event that within a couple weeks it goes away. That high disappears. And the thing is, is we, and for those who didn't go, we still all have that same mercy. We have all received that same grace. Like that steward, we deserve to be beaten and thrown into the prison of hell. But we get better than what that steward got. We got eternity. We got salvation. We got Christ's eternal kingdom that will never end, that will never fall. We have received a mercy that is inexpressible. And that mercy should compel us to not wait till we go to a place like New Orleans or in three years to Minneapolis, because that's where the next youth gathering is, Minneapolis. So I don't think we'll have to take a plane to get there. But we don't have to wait until then. We have things that we could do all around us. There is poverty in our community, in our counties, in our area. There are those who struggle with so many things. We all know that alcohol abuse is a problem in our area, even if we want to deny it and pretend it's not there. We know that drug abuse is a problem for many people. We are here not so much to say, how dare you, but to be people that walk alongside them. Be witnesses of kindness and love and mercy and gentleness to leave them out of that. This, just before I went to the youth gathering, I met with the 
the per, one of the people that's going to be heading up the shelter in Bigelow, Minnesota, that's going to be a shelter for sex trafficking victims. And she was talking about how in Orange City, these, the story of when, because I knew there was a call that happened in Orange City involving sex trafficking. She ex actually explained what happened. Was that there was a girl who basically ran out naked out of her house screaming in terror. And when they, you know, somebody gave her shelter and found out what was going on, they found out that a couple was trafficking six children in Orange City. One of the most, one of the more traditional, conservative Christian communities in the entire United States. And yet that happened right under, right in their neighborhood. In Worthington, Minnesota, at the Southwest uh, Crisis Center, there is a woman that her whole job is to, is to help victims of sex trafficking. She wouldn't have that job if it wasn't a problem. If there's only one or two cases, they wouldn't need to hire someone. On the contrary, only a couple weeks ago, there was a victim in Jackson, Minnesota that they found and that she's been trying to find housing for. The comment that she said is that we need, in this area, we need a traffic, a shelter now. And by the way, that is an opportunity I'm going to bring up for us to serve. There are so many ways that we can be loving, compassionate, kind, gentle to the world around us as we live in a world because this is the things that happen in between when we left for New Orleans and we got home in Nice France somebody plowed over people with a truck in Baton Rouge Louisiana police officers shot Munich Germany people shot this all happened within 10 days we have a world with so much pain and so much suffering, so much hate, that we are, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You are the light of Christ to the world. In a world that is so incredibly dark, as we have received the mercy of Christ, may we be witnesses. May we be light. May we be beacons of hope that people may turn to you and say why are you being so why are you doing this you'll say let me tell you about my savior let me tell you about jesus and by the way do you know what's one of the beacons of hope that we underestimate it's not being perfect it's acknowledging that you're not perfect it's acknowledging that you are a sinner who received god's grace that's powerful. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve his mercy. I deserve to be in prison. I deserve eternal death. That's not what he gave us. We have received that mercy. We have received that love. So may we be loving, patient, kind, gentle, self-controlled, joyful, that the world may see 
and turn their eyes and heart to the one who has saved them. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.